Welcome to the Real Estate Exam Podcast. We have a new series of audio lessons out covering the state of Ohio for the Real Estate Salesperson Exam for the state of Ohio. The total length of this new series of audio lessons is 9 hours and 20 minutes long, and I'm going to be sharing with you a portion of each of those lessons, probably about a quarter to one-third of each of those lessons I'm going to be sharing with you for you to decide if it makes sense for you to buy the full series of audio lessons. The full series of audio lessons are available at the website reexampodcast.com. So after listening to these samples of the lessons, if it makes sense for you, go to the website and purchase the full bundle of audio lessons. So right now we have audio lessons for California, Florida, Georgia, Ohio, Texas, Virginia, and Washington. And we are now working on Arizona. So if you are in one of those states and you're looking for a series of audio lessons, we do have sample lessons available at the website that you can listen to, or you can listen to this podcast and go back in this podcast and listen to the sample lessons for those states. Eventually, we hope to get all 50 states, but that's going to take a while. I need to caution you when you buy audio lessons that you should not rely entirely on audio lessons to prepare you for the real estate exam. Most states require that you actually have classroom attendance in order to take the real estate exam or a certain requirement of education before you can even sit for the exam. These audio lessons are simply intended as a supplement for your learning to let you learn while you're driving, exercising, wandering around, and not being forced to sit at a desk or in a chair and read material or stare at a computer screen. That's the intention of these audio lessons. If they make sense for you, buy the full bundle of lessons. Again, the website is reexampodcast.com. Welcome to this lesson entitled Review Part 3. In this lesson, we will be discussing some other topics from the course that we have learned from other lessons and going back and reviewing. I'm going to give you a question, give you a moment to go ahead and look and see if you know the answer. Then you, you can pause the recording if you want or go ahead and uh, just answer right away. And then I'll give you the answer, and you can see whether or not you need to go back and take another look at those particular topics, or whether you can just go ahead and move on. So let's go ahead and get started. The first things I want to talk about are what are the roles? There's uh, three different roles in an agency relationship. What can those three roles be? So the first is that of the principal, that is the client. Then we have the role of the agent or broker. Those are, uh, those are the person doing the representing. And then we have the customer, which is the other buyer or seller who's in the equation. So the agent's working for somebody trying to sell their property, but then there's also going to be a buyer in that equation as well. And so you need to think about that person in addition. My next question is, what are the three different kinds of agency. They have three different 
levels of authority. What are those three levels of authority that an agent can have? So these levels include a universal agent, a general agent, and a special agent. So a universal agent has all the authority. They can do whatever they deem is in the best interests of their client. But what is the difference between a general agent and a special agent? Go ahead and describe that. So a general agent has sort of a general authority over one aspect of their client's life. So say they're a property manager or something like that where they are allowed to do what they need to do when it, has, when it comes to the property, but they can't, don't have authority over other matters. And a special agent is sort of a one-time one agent where they do one sort of transaction, they do one sort of thing, and then that's it. They're all done. That's usually what a real estate agent is. They just have authority for one transaction, and then their authority terminates. My next question is, what are some ways that an agency can be terminated? There are all sorts of ways. So go ahead and see if you remember some of those. So there's all sorts of these. You have fulfillment, which just means everything went according to plan. We're all done. Expiration, just too much time has elapsed. Mutual agreement, both sides just decide that that's for the best. Abandonment, where one of the sides just gives up and walks away. Then you have destruction of the property. If the property is destroyed, of course, you can't do anything with it then. If there's a breach of contract, that can end the agency. If there is bankruptcy, then that is a problem as well. And then the death of either party, of course, will end the agency. My next question is, what are some of the agent's duties to their client? What are some things they have to do? So some of these are skill and care. They're doing the best that they can with the knowledge that they have. Diligence, working hard and doing what they can while they can do it. Loyalty, owing loyalty to their client, not doing something that is going to hurt them. Obedience, carrying out the client's wishes in a timely manner. Confidentiality, not telling anyone else privileged information that they know from their clients. Disclosure, so disclosing material facts, things that they, their clients need to know. That's an important part of your duties. And then, of course, accounting, making sure that you have all of the money in the right place and then you're not commingling your funds or misplacing any money that you've been entrusted with. So my next question is, what are some of the principal's duties toward the agent? What is the principal required to do? So the principal is required to make him, his or herself available 
to the agent. They, when the agent needs them, that if they try to contact him or her, they need to respond in a timely manner and not keep them waiting. They need to disclose any material facts, things that are going to help people make decisions. You're not supposed to withhold useful information from the agent, of course. And, of course, compensation. They need to pay the agent for what they've done. And this is typically done with commissions. So that's important as well. My next question is, what is the difference between a single agency and a dual agency? This podcast is brought to you by the SIEpodcast.com. The SIEpodcast.com website provides you with audio lessons for you to prepare for the securities industry's essentials examination. If you are selling real estate, there may come a time when you need to get licensed to sell securities. The first step in becoming licensed to sell securities is to pass the first step in becoming licensed is to pass the securities industry's essentials exam. That is the base exam before you can take the other securities exams. And the next exam you would take after passing the securities industry's essentials exam, or just the SIE exam, would be probably the Series 7 exam. But before you can even sit for the Series 7 exam, you need to pass the SIE exam. So if sometime in your career you need to prepare and pass the securities industries examinations, the licensing examinations, check out our podcast. We'll give you some sample lessons there to see if that works for you. And that website is SIEpodcast.com. The total length, by the way, of those SIE exam lessons is 36 hours and 53 minutes. It's a substantial examination, much more difficult than the real estate examinations. And if you just want to learn about securities so you understand securities, it's a very, very, very good audio course for you to study. All right, back to our lesson. So a single agency is when the agent represents just one side of the equation. So either the buyer or the seller and not both. And the dual agency is when the single is when one agent represents both the buyer and the seller. Things can get a little interesting there because it's hard to pay fiduciary duties to two people at once. So if you do have a dual agency, you have to disclose that to both the buyer and the seller so nobody thinks they're getting shortchanged. What is the difference then between a single agency, dual agency, and a no agency relationship? How does that work? So if you have a no-agency relationship, the agent is simply acting as a facilitator, sort of a go-between. They're not trying to help the buyer or the seller more. They don't owe fiduciary duties to either the buyer or the seller. They just want to help bring them together and facilitate anything that needs to be facilitated. So that's how that works. My next question is, what are the different listing types that you might run into. There's four different listing types that we talked about. What are those? So we have an open listing, an exclusive agency, an exclusive right to sell, and a net listing. So what exactly is a net listing? How does that work?
So a net listing says that when the property is sold, anything that is above the original listing price of the property uh, automatically goes to the agent who sold it. And that's not legal in every state, but you can do it in Ohio as long as that is disclosed. How is that different from an open listing? What's an open listing? So an open listing is a free-for-all. You list the property and then anybody can have their hand at selling it. And whoever sells it gets the um, gets the money from it. How's that different from an exclusive agency? So an exclusive agency, that one agency has an exclusive right to try to sell the property no matter what, for a certain period of time. So that's how that works. My next question is, what is the difference between land and real estate? Land and real estate. So land is just that, it's the surface of the earth, it's the things that are below the earth right there, and even the things that are above the earth, in most cases, and then anything that is permanently attached to the earth, rocks and trees and whatnot. Real estate is land plus all of the man-made structures that are attached to it, things like houses or fences. <coughs> Excuse me. Next, what's the difference then between real estate and real property? There's a slight difference there. What is that? So real property is just that real estate, so the land, all the things attached to it, plus a bundle of rights that comes with the land. You have different rights that you can be assigned over a parcel of land. And so it's important to know what those rights are. So that's the difference between real estate and real property. And then, what it, and then in a legal sense, what is personal property? We have real property. It's not the same as personal property. What's the difference there? So personal property are non-permanent possessions that are not real estate. They include things like your house, your computer, your car. All those things are not permanent and so are considered a personal property. They're not affixed to the ground. So my next question is, what is a fixture? And what are some examples of some fixtures that you might run into? So there are all sorts of things that can be fixtures. They are simply permanent property. These are simply personal property that have been permanently affixed to the land. And there's all sorts of examples of these, including playground, playground equipment, an above-ground pool, or even a fence. So like a playground equipment, if when you get out of the box, it's, of course, not permanently affixed to your land, but then you can go ahead and 
put down concrete feet on it and whatnot, and make it permanently affixed to your land. So that's how that works. My next question is, what are some of the rights that you can own when we're talking about real estate and real property? So there's all sorts of these. We've got ownership and possession, the right to use the property, the right to encumber the property, to exclude the property, to destroy the property, to transfer it in any given way. You can have subsurface rights, you can have surface rights, you can have riparian water rights, you can have littoral water rights, and you can have air rights. Those are some of the more common rights that you're going to run into when we're talking about property rights. So what does it mean to transfer the property? And what are some ways that you can transfer property from one person to another? So to transfer property just means to give it to one from one person to another person. And in this case, you can sell the property, that's one way to do it. You can rent out the property or lease it, in other words. You can donate the property, which means you give it to somebody without receiving some sort of other consideration. You can assign the property, and you can bequeath the property, which means leaving the property to your heirs. That's another way that you can transfer it. So what's the difference then between riparian water rights and littoral? water rights. There's definitely a difference there. So with riparian water rights, you got to think it's got the letter R in it, riparian for river. It's for flowing bodies of water. It, it talks about the rights that you have when part of your property is adjacent to a flowing body of water such as a river. And littoral, you think L for lake, is when your property is adjacent to a non-flowing body of water, such as a lake, and describes what kind of water rights you have over the lake or pond or whatever body of water it is. My next question is, what are the criteria for determining whether or not something is a fixture? Thanks for listening. If you like these lessons, if it makes sense for you to buy the full series of the Ohio Salesperson Real Estate Exam audio lessons, the total length of those lessons is 9 hours and 20 minutes in length. There are 20 individual lessons, including three review sessions. The website is reexampodcast.com. Best of luck in your career.